most people make Jesus their savior, but refuse to make him their king. Can you say that again for the people in the back? <laughs> most people make Jesus their savior, but refuse to make him their king. And we have this phrase around Sequel, King Jesus. And it's just to put him back in his rightful place uh, on the throne. And, and oftentimes I'll say, King Jesus, I want what you want. King Jesus, I want what you want as a trigger for me to surrender the posture of my heart. The surrender process is a process of surrender and then death to ourselves. And then out of that, God resurrects something beautiful and brings new life. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm joined by my friends, Josh, Kelly, and Bill, and we are excited you're here. So pull up a chair and join us in this conversation about what it takes to live free and light. Guys, we are back, part three of season two, and we are all fresh off a recent experience we had at Sequel, we call it Experience 3 for Refresh and Encourage. And I'm going to be honest, it took me a little while to recover from this one. I had a two-week hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. Bill, <laughs> go. Sorry, my fault. Uh, because of the investment and the time and energy over those two days and the preparation beforehand, we call it a little bit of a hangover that week of uh, just being exhausted and tired in a, in a really good way. It was real this time. It was real. Yes. It was real this time. But it was so fun. Yes. Kelly, did you pray for the weather again? It was great weather. It because was great weather. it wasn't great all the time for it us. Was. It was. The fire we made that one night, it was so big that if you were within 10 feet of the fire, the rain just evaporated. That was true. Head. That was like this weird freak of nature. Yeah. And we, yeah, the fire was evaporating water. In Tim real time. is six foot four. Four. He was standing on a stump that was two foot tall. And, and my reach is eight feet, by the way. So he basically, the, this fire, feet. it was a 10 foot tall fire that was engineered specifically by like auto engineers. Yep. We, and we fell put into an engineering itself. team on it. I'm literally waiting for you guys to come back and be like, oh yeah, and we burned down Haven. <laughs> well, <laughs> for insurance purposes, that only we happened <laughs> one time. Oh. And, it, and that tree we pulled down, we're good. Yes. We and, you, and you put it in the fire pit, that tree. Did we say... Like top three fire? Yeah, it was a top, the top three, three fire. fire. We won't say yeah. which place. But so group six, guys, Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Way you to go, it. guys. And ladies, how tall was your fire? Ours was amazing. We left. That was not We're what I asked. That was. <laughs> <laughs> that was. <laughs> we were warm. Some of us lost eyebrows. It was oh. great. It was great. Uh, Kelly, okay. I have the spot on my hand that never goes back the hair because of the stakes and <laughs> yes. the fire. We're giving too much away now. Sorry. We are yes. giving much. All right. All Just right. come and experience right it, it for right yourself. All right. So we're here. This is part three of season two. Just a little bit of a recap. In the first part, we talked about what does it take to be still. And so we talked about settling and uh, listening and Sabbath. And uh, that was a precursor to part Two, which is all about how to listen to the voice of God. And so if you haven't checked out those episodes, we'd highly encourage you to go back. This episode is going to be, I think, fantastic around this topic of surrender, but they all lead to what we're talking about today. So with that being said, Kelly, we're answering the question today in this episode of what does it take to seek well for a lifetime? 
So mm-hmm. we live by these three phrases, be still, listen, and seek well. So we're asking the question, what does it take to seek well for a lifetime? And I just, it occurred to me, we've never told the story of how we came up or you came up with the name Seek Well. Where did this thing come from? <laughs> Super random. I was driving, and I want to say it might have been over Christmas break, and I was without the girls in the car, and they were young, and I didn't have a lot of quiet moments alone. And while I was driving, I felt like God whispered that to me, Seek Well. So I was like, is this what you're asking me to do? Is this, tell me more about this. What are we talking about talk to me, (laughs) anything else, nothing. And so I was like, well, let's just take that and see what his word has to say about it. So I started kind of a a hunt to find any verses that talked about seeking well. And so seek the kingdom of God above anything else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Seek his will and he'll show you the path and what to take. And then um, Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll seek me and find me when you seek after me with all of your heart. So I just started kind of a collection of those things. I don't know if you remember, but you'd sit and watch a football game and I'd sit right next to you and I'd just be like hand lettering, seek well, seek well. And Really didn't know where God was leading me, but we sat on that for about six mm-hmm. months, probably. Mm-hmm. And then in May, you were at one of the men's refresh weekends, and that was when you guys were out at the campground, and you would shut off your phone for 48 hours. And I remember the phone ringing, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> something really bad happened. <laughs> and I picked up, and you are like, hey, I'm breaking my own rule, but I just want to tell you. I feel like God's telling me we're not dreaming big enough. Like mm-hmm. this, what he's doing in, in our circles of friends right now, like there are more people that need to experience this and there are more people that need to learn this and practice this. And so I was like, well, what are you saying? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And you were like, I just think he's telling us to dream bigger. And I was like, hey, wait, is this sequel? And you were like, yeah, I think it is. And so... <laughs> and do you remember uh, when you first started doodling the word seek well, the two words seek well. Do you remember what I used to say to you? You told me it was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) But in my defense, I also said the iPhone would never catch on. Man. Tim, I just want you to I'm know. I'm not always right. 70% of our audience right now just turned against you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Follow me well, for more tips on life. Exactly. Those are long. The iPhone thing's a long rabbit trail. But the sequel, I'm like, like sequel the movie? I know. Like when the you sequel. say it fast. Um, really that, so that's why I'm like, oh, that. but it really grew on both of us. And I think one of the things that resonated so much with me at that moment in my life was I was really trying to unpack, like, what does it take to follow Jesus with all of your heart. And that just even like the that question, the the thought exercise of like what does it take to follow Jesus with all your heart? It's heavy, right? Because the reality is when we say I want to follow Jesus with all my heart or all my will and all my desire, that means you have to want what he wants. And I was not in a position at that moment in my life to say I really want what you want. And so I was really wrestling with that. And so that phrase, all your heart, it really translated for us into that is how we seek him well. We seek him well with all of our heart. And Jeremiah 29, 13 promises that when we do, we will find him. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know just a little bit of the origin story. And so we came up with these 
phrases built around practices that we had been experiencing when we started to slow down, when we began to listen for God's voice. The overflow of that was we learned how to seek Him well with all of our heart. But the really interesting thing in that is seeking Him well is a lifetime adventure. Adventure is a very good word there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think of adventure in a few phases, like the adventure when you start the hike and you yeah. feel great and your backpack, like you got your snacks in there and your clothes are clean. And then I think of the adventure like halfway through when your shoes are wet. When you're, you're wet, yeah. Like your food's out, your water's out, and you're like, what am I doing here? So, sorry, when you say adventure, I go to... All the twists and turns. Yeah. Who are we going to have to eat? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, What? <laughs> Not that adventure. Wrong no. adventure. No. Sorry, sorry I, I was. He was talking about Jesus. I was talking about a hike in the mountains. Yeah, you I were went talking to about a plane crash yeah, and like Josh, yeah. Nepal. I've been on a lot of hikes yeah. with Josh. You I have. feel really nervous right now. <laughs> totally. hey, if hey. you haven't gone on a mountain hike and had that inner monologue of like, well, if this goes south, who do we eat? <laughs> have I ever been that? <laughs> like, I know. I can say that none of you have been that person. At this you. table, I, we're all marked safe. I am in my head right now. I'm trying to figure out how do I get this back. Yeah. On track. I don't know. I don't have a segue with There's that, no, Josh. This, the segue is let's just keep going because everybody in the audience right now is like they have little tears in their eyes. So <laughs> it is one. Right. It is one thirty in the afternoon. Surrender. I am fighting the lull with so, humor. All right, here it is. So we want to follow Jesus with all our heart, and the reality is, if we want that, that means there's an element of giving up what we want to want what He wants. And last season, we talked about the spiritual practice or discipline of surrender. And the reality is, is surrender, we think, is one of the most important, critical, like, postures of our heart, and that's why we have to practice it, to really follow Jesus. Well, it's, yes, we need to slow down and we need to listen to God, but even actually before all that, we have to want what He wants. We have to be in, live our lives in a posture of surrender. And uh, it really comes from what Jesus says in uh, Matthew 16, where he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever will save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then that famous question, what will it benefit somebody to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And I just think about that over and over. It's like the reality is if we really want to follow Jesus, we have to lose our life. And if we're going to lose our life, that means we have to surrender. And it is a daily, weekly process uh, that, that really never ends our whole life. Yeah. What I love about that verse, and I think if you're like me, if you're listening, you're like me and you grew up in church, some of us are on the table, not all of us, and not all the people that are listening, but if you did, you've heard this before. And just recently, I was reading that verse, and it's the mental picture of like, yeah, pick up your cross and follow me. That was, that was like a very Christianese phrase and all that stuff. But if you really think about it, Jesus could have said, pick up all the tools and weapons necessary to do all the things in this life. But instead, what does he say? Pick up your instrument of death. Pick up mm. the thing mm. that will lead to you having to give up your life. Mm -hmm. So what are you carrying? You're carrying the thing that, I mean, word picture, you would die on. That's it. And so that when Jesus is saying, you actually have to give up your life in order to get it, what better way? And that is a great like mental visualization. Exactly. Yeah, right? I think that's what I was trying to get to. Is like yeah. The mental picture of like, he didn't mean a literal cross. Right. He meant pick up the thing 
that you will have to give up. That's it's a it. thing that's going to kill you anyways. So here's the question I want to ask. So, friend, we literally envision that you are sitting around the table with us having this conversation. You're in your car driving or at home or in the office or on your AirPods or whatever it is, but here's what I want you to think about. Take a moment and think about the one thing that feels really heavy in your life right now. That thing that has given you anxiety or tension, the thing that you're like, I can't surrender that. That like I need to like control that. And let me just ask you, do you really want what God wants in that situation or with that thing or do you want God to want what you want? All right, so we talked about earlier, we just came out of Experience 3, and uh, you know our audience doesn't know what Experience 3 is, but essentially with Refresh and Encourage, our one-year experience, the third experience is actually all about how to surrender. And so uh, it's 48 hours of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Super fun. Right? You're, you'll be glad you came. <laughs> is it? But it is, I mean, I'm, I'm not overselling it's life-changing. When we learn how to surrender to God, to want what he wants, very practically, it changes our lives. And so, you know, this season we're talking about what's the tension of, you know, each of these topics we're talking about and what's the fruit. So I would just love to hear from you, like, guys, what's the tension with surrender? One of the things that we ask is what's the, what does surrender feel like, positive or negative? And most, and this may be a male thing, I, I don't know, I'm not around the female campfire, but most of the men there will say it feels like you're losing, like when you yeah and defeat the, yeah, yeah defeat around like who surrenders the the army that lost like the people that lost that the company that got bought out by another company those are the people that surrender so usually it's from a losing posture so for me when I like put that into my own life I'm like oh man like it feels weak it feels vulnerable it feels like what did I do wrong to have to surrender mm-hmm. I really like that that example that helps paint that picture I think for me I look at it as control. Like there are some things I'm white knuckling in my life that I I do not want to surrender. That I'm like, no, I want this to go well, or I want my kids this to work out, or I want them to be safe. These things that I'm holding on to way too tight that I I don't know if I would trust anyone else with. Hmm. Yeah. Kelly, you say trust. And that's something for me, I can find myself like fixated on the future sometimes. And when it comes down to like, well, if I actually really surrender that thing or that person or that situation or that circumstance, I won't know where this might end up. Right. And so that could be from a trust thing that leads to like, you were talking about a control thing. It definitely plays to like worry and anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, in my life. Mm -hmm. So there's a tension there. For me. And Josh, one of the things that you started your statement with, if I actually really, truly surrender, <laughs> the, the other tension I Partially, have... Partially, halfway, mostly <laughs> surrender. I have with surrender is that it it does not end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like this oh, on, yeah. It's like this onion that the more you open up, the more you cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the more you give away... Like <laughs> and the, now we're sad. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it, because like you That's said, you, you don't know the outcome. Yeah, and I, I also think there's an element of like, we are conditioned to fight for what we want. Well, yeah, what else would I fight for? Yeah, well, I, I maybe is, uh, I don't know if it's innately 
wired in us. I think it is. It's the preservation of self. Self, okay. Self-preservation. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. That is hardwired into us just to survive. Yeah. But yeah. we take that well, way what, beyond. Well, right. what I was kind of, the rabbit trail I was going down is like, okay, we live in America in our context here. Everything is marketed to us like you can have whatever you want. You can want what you want and you can get it. And so there's a sense of like, I'm going to go out and get it. It's the American dream. And, and there's an element of like, striving and pressing, but also that I'm actually in control of that. Yeah. And so I don't need to trust anybody else. It's on me. It's on me. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you start to realize how little control you're actually in. Absolutely. Also, also true. Mm-hmm. Right? It's an illusion. Totally. So 100%. It, it kind of like makes me ask this question of like, why? So if control is the tension, why is it the tension? Well, I mean... If you're asking me, if I'm being gut level honest, it's because I trust myself to do it the right way. If I want it done and I want it done right, mm-hmm. who do I go to? You know, yeah. and it's and it's no knock on my wife or my kids or my best friend sitting around the table, but I have a picture in my brain of the way I want it to work out and I only trust me to get that done. Is that hardwired in all of us? I think to a certain degree. I think to a certain degree. And I think like kind of turn in the corner the reason I was I was kind of setting you guys up a little bit with that question but <laughs> bait and up. switch I hit home run I hit home run <laughs> so it's trust yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so why is it the tension because I can trust myself well what's the opposite of that statement from a faith perspective is and I don't fully trust God mm-hmm. and so I think the real tension is a question actually can I trust God can I share a quick 30-second story yeah. I heard on this one yeah. time? This was an old Craig Rochelle, old uh, pastor at a different church. He was telling the story of how he felt God call him to give a $5 bill away. And instantly he went, oh, of, of course, like I'll give that away. And the next week he had called God to give away cash, and all he had was a $100 bill. And he asked the question, he goes, do I have a $5 faith or a $100 faith? Mm. So because I trusted God with $5, but I don't trust him with $100. And I think sometimes this idea of trust, like I trust God with a lot of things, but not with everything. That's why I'm tying it back to like that Jeremiah 29, 13. If you want to find God, if you want to live the life that Jesus offers, you have to seek him with all of your heart. Well, how do you do that? You have to want what he wants first as a starting place. And the practical implications of that is that we have to surrender. And so when I think about this tension of control, and you ask the question of like, well, why is this a tension? Because I want what I want. If at the end of the day, that's if we're being brutally honest, I want what I want. I want the outcome I want. And why do I have a hard time trusting God? It's because we don't believe he's God. Well, back a few episodes, so in that last segment where we were talking about listen, like the listen segment there, what were some of those lies that the enemy uses, that main one, God is not trustworthy. Exactly. Because see here. But here's how the devil works, we know. It's only lies. It didn't work out the way you thought. Mm -hmm. Well, of course it didn't work out the way I thought, because I wasn't thinking the way God thought. But that's the twist of the lie. So when you ask the question, can we, do we trust God? That's why. Because that lie is so pervasive, and it permeates our relationships and everything in our world. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when I think about like the journey that we're on trying to follow Jesus, this process of surrender, it is a daily thing. We talked about that last season. It is certainly a moment-to-moment thing, but it's also like a, a journey because the more we surrender, the more we actually know that He is indeed trustworthy. 
And that's one of the reasons why I journal is because I look back at the things that he has done and the places he has show up. And he's like, you know what? He showed up at that moment. Of course I can trust him again. But the thought exercise I, I would love to just do is like, well, what if he was actually God? What if he was who he says he is? And what if we could really trust him? So the question I would have for you, friend, is what if God was trustworthy? How would that change your life? Tim, I was thinking about that question that you asked about what if God was trustworthy. I wonder if people in our audience are like me. I don't necessarily think that black and white, like, is he or is he not? I think of it kind of on a scale, like um, like I may trust him six out of 10 on that issue. Well, you know, with, with an issue I don't care about, I might trust him 10 out of 10. Something else I might trust him five out of 10. How do we think about that around the table? Like, Kelly, what's your experience? Tim, what's your experience when you go, like, how does that sliding scale work? I think in a way, if we're really boiling down to it, Bill, I think everything you said is right because I think as you were saying that, I was thinking of areas of my life to like, yeah. where are things on the scale? God's not asking, do you trust me four out of 10? Or here's your invitation to follow me seven out of 10. Right, right. Yes. It is all or nothing. So what? And I, that's hard. <laughs> what In my head, I went compartmentalization. That's the first word that yeah, popped into absolutely. mind. absolutely. Like, I trust you with this wholeheartedly because yeah. I can't actually control that. Yes. But this thing over here. So I'll My give you, future? I'll give you an example, yeah, right? It's, it's much lower. Uh, for me, I have trusted literally 10 out of 10 that he will provide for the vast majority of my life. I don't know why that has come easier to me than others, but that's been easy. With all of the school shootings popping up, yeah. Man, yeah. and we've had uh, one you know, Oxford last year. And then we had, we actually almost had one in Birmingham a month ago. Mm -hmm. Right. That is like really close to home in more ways than one. Yeah. And so it's not that like, I know I can't control that. We cannot control that. Right. But this thought pops up of like, if you took my kid, yeah. Could I still trust you? Well, and I think as you talk about that, whether, you know, we talk about kids around the table, there's people in our audience that aren't parents in that way. I think when we look at those that are closest to us, like friends, family, kids, that's where I felt it in my life pop up, where I spend nights up awake going, uh, God, I, I trust you to take care of me. I don't worry about me, but about this family member yeah, or mm-hmm. this friend. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. I, I love the compartmentalization. I, and as you're talking, Josh, I do believe like the answer is whatever level we're at, God wants another level. Yeah. Like I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But I just, that thought hit me on, you know, I don't think anybody out there is like, I don't trust God. I think the question is, how does that play out in their daily decision-making? Well, let me give you a story, Yeah. right? Okay, so um, probably for the last five years, Kelly's going to correct me a couple times in this story, just for accuracy. <laughs> Kelly, do you wow. need a buzzer? Okay. Do you need a buzzer <laughs> right now? Yes. Josh, do you have a sound uh, effect? Just ding. Probably for the last five years. So our oldest is 15 now, about 10, 9, 8, 10, something like that, 8, 9, 10. They decided that they just wanted to start having deep conversations at nine fifteen at night. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. Mm. Now uh, the rest of the family gets up quite a bit later than I do. 
It's no knock on them. That's just the reality of our life. So by 9.15, I have already been awake 13 hours, and I have given my best. Where's your emotional energy at right then? Tim? Zero. Okay. <laughs> you can hear it in his If there is a right negative now. scale, it's negative. <laughs> okay? Just being honest. I, I just picture Tim on the couch, arms out, withering away. <laughs> yes. Just so, gone. I know I'm not the only one, but all I want to do is just chill out. I want to spend an hour watching TV in peace and quiet. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I just... Why'd you have kids? I know, right? <laughs> so I just wanted to like, leave me alone. Okay. So, but my kids, they want to go deep at 915. And yeah. so what happens yep. is Kelly's so much more patient with this. We tuck them in together, but you know, she typically stays for the later night conversations and I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to bed. So that had been the rhythm, not in a great way, uh, for a long time. And sometimes it was better than others for me. But about a year ago, I was at uh, Experience 3 with a previous group, Group 5. And this topic of like my own comfort level, mm -hmm. my own desire to be comfortable started popping up as like a core motivation in my life. And one of the phrases that I heard Jesus speak to me is embrace discomfort. Okay, so that's why listening is so important, because he gave me something that I didn't even know I needed. I mean, in the moment, did you like ask him if he spoke wrong? Did I, I you was try to... not super happy about okay. it. Okay. Right? So embrace this. And I'm, and I'm thinking about the tension. So we asked you earlier, like, what's heavy in your life? This would have been something that was heavy in my life, a tension in my life, because I'm like, I keep repeatedly failing as a dad in this moment. And embrace discomfort. And I was starting to think about what is really motivating me at 9.15 at night, and it was, I just want to be comfortable. And so it expressed itself in anger, but it really wasn't angry. I was annoyed. Mm -hmm. So the the top emotion wasn't really the thing that was happening. I want to be left alone. I'm annoyed. So what God gave me was this phrase, embrace discomfort. And so when these things started popping up, I decided I am going to surrender the, my comfort because as a dad, I got to show up. This is a, mm -hmm. a short period of time. I can do this. I'm a man. I'm going to man up. And so I decided I am going to surrender this. I'm going to surrender my desire for his desire. His desire is for me to be a, a great dad. And so when the emotion started popping up of annoyance, what I just started to say to myself is like, I'm going to embrace this. I can do hard things. And so I would turn off the TV. I would literally turn aside to my kid, look him in the eye and say, hey, tell me more. And honest to God, I thought it would take like years to get better at this, it took like two weeks. Once I did it like five or six times, it was so easy. The fruit of this is one, selfishly, I feel great. I feel like I know I'm a good dad. Yeah. And the second is my relationship with my kids has dramatically changed in the last 12 months. It was great before, but it's at a different level now because they know dad doesn't get angry at night. Yeah. Dad's not only available, he's open mm -hmm. and he not distracted. Right. So he's there. I pull it back to like that sliding scale or compartmentalization. I'm like, I trust Jesus fully except at 915 at night mm. because I want what I want. I want to be comfortable. And so what I had to do was begin to surrender this area of comfort in my life to yeah. say, actually, I want what you want, which is you want me to be a great dad. And you say that if I really want to gain my life, the fruit of that being a great relationship 
with my kids, and then I have to lose it. I have to surrender it. And so this process of surrender is like you give it up, you die to yourself, he resurrects something beautiful, and then new life comes out of that. And I'm like, I can't believe the difference in my life. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going, I don't know if Jesus wants that for me at 9, 5, 10 at night. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's that's dead on, man. I mean, I know yeah. I know in my life, you know, you know, and like we said, kids and family bring things out in us and in relationships. But mine in the last year has been controlling outcomes. Like in my mind, like knowing what the outcome is. And what I'm learning right now is instead of me trying to control the outcome, when I just go, hey, Jesus, like, what do you want here? More often than not, it's the craziest thing that happens. I'll go to God, whether it's family, kids, friends, anything. And I'll go, man, I, I really, Jesus, I really think this needs to happen. And Jesus goes, well, what does the person need from you? They usually don't need advice. They usually don't need a spreadsheet project plan, although that does help sometimes. <laughs> uh, but what they need is for me to show up, similar to what you said, fully present. And yours comes from comfort. Mine comes from control. So those are, those are different places mm-hmm. to start from. But that learning for me in a few different areas of my life over and over again of, well, I think I know the outcome going to God and God goes, oh, just how about you just ask them what they need? And being present in that moment, the results have been phenomenal relationally. But personally, like you said, my backpack feels lighter. I have less nights up at three in the morning and I can walk away from a conversation knowing that God's in control and I'm not. And the three of us are witness to that, Bill. We we have seen that in your life mm-hmm. and we have seen the backpack get a little lighter just a little, a little, a little bit more free, not totally light, yeah, but right. right. Yeah. And that is the life that Jesus offers. I'm telling you, man, it is hard when you know what needs to happen, mm-hmm. and yet you have to go into a situation humble because you're listening to Jesus, surrendering the outcome, and asking the person, "Hey, what do you need around that?" Yeah, because you're out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But more often than not, what Jesus does in the emotion, and yes, I'm the one talking about feelings right now, in the emotion of that moment is he uses that to build a relationship and determine the outcome, which is just like, I'm like, oh, I didn't know you did that, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love this quote from Andy Stanley. Most people make Jesus their savior, but refuse to make him their king. Can you say that again for the people in the back? (laughs) Most people make Jesus their savior, but refuse to make him their king. We have this phrase around Sequel, King Jesus. And it's just to put him back in his rightful place uh, on the throne. And, and oftentimes I'll say, King Jesus, I want what you want. King Jesus, I want what you want as a trigger for me to surrender the posture of my heart. And, you know, I, I think about King Jesus. He really modeled for us uh, what surrender looks like. It, his whole life was a model of surrender. He did not want to die for us. That's why he struggled so much in the garden. Like, do I really have to do this? Take this cup from me. But he did. He surrendered to the Father's will mm-hmm. to the point of death, and then he died. He let his will uh, die, and then God resurrected him and then brought new life for all of us. And the surrender process is a process of surrender and then death to ourselves And then out of that, God resurrects something beautiful and brings new life. And so, friend, as you're listening, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in the car or at home or cleaning the house or in the office, wherever you're at. But I just want you to think about the thing in your life that feels heavy right now, the thing where maybe there's some anxiety, 
where you feel like, gosh, if I gave up control of that, it would upend me, right? Think of your 915 at night, stretch for comfort. Think about the relationships you feel like you have to control. I wonder what would happen if you surrendered that to Jesus. I wonder if he said, King Jesus, I want what you want. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to engage in the practice of surrender by building upon the things that we have already been talking about this season. We're going to settle for a few minutes and then we're going to surrender what feels heavy to God and then ask him to speak to us the thing that we uniquely need in this moment. And so wherever you're at, in the car, or in the office, at home, just take a moment and settle with us and engage in the practice of surrender. Why don't you go ahead and start by just taking a really deep breath. And we're going to take a minute and settle. We're going to settle our hearts and settle our minds. And so I want you to breathe in fully and exhale fully. And just let your mind focus, focus on your breath. You can feel maybe the spiraling or spinning in your mind slowing. I want you to think about your five senses. being just really present. Maybe think about what you're smelling or what you're hearing or a taste that's lingering in your mouth. Just be very aware. And as you're thinking about how you're feeling, I want you to think about what's heavy. The tension is what you're holding on to really tightly. I talked earlier about white knuckling something, holding it so tightly. I want you to think about what feels really heavy that you're carrying right now. Maybe it's the thing you're pretending you're in control of, but you have a lot of anxiety over. It might be the thing that you're losing sleep over, the relationship, or job, or disappointment. 
I want you to just picture what that would be and maybe what it would look like. That thing that's maybe too heavy for you to carry. That thing that's maybe too heavy and too big for you to control. I want you to just imagine walking that over to the feet of Jesus. You're just picturing it in your mind. And maybe as you walk up to him, maybe you're able to see his hands or his feet or his robe or his face. I want you to surrender what you're carrying. I want you to give up that control or that comfort that you're protecting and I want you to lay it at his feet and I want you to fully surrender it. And we're going to ask a simple question. Jesus, what do you want me to know about this? This thing that I laid at your feet. Jesus has to say about that thing that you are carrying that is so heavy. He says to all of us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said that not too long before he surrendered even to the point of death, and then God resurrected him to give us new life for all of us. Surrender is a process for our entire lives. We never stop surrendering. It's a series of small surrenders, but he promised us to give us rest, to give us life to the full, a life lived freely and lightly. And listen, friend, we're not the only four experiencing this. We have a friend, her name is Kaya, and she has an unbelievable story that you are not going to want to miss on the next episode. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but if you think about the thing that you want most for your entire life, you've been dreaming about it ever since you were a little boy or a little girl, and it just doesn't happen, and you don't know why but it so paralyzes you and so crushes you that you're not sure you can trust God. This is Kaya's story. 
and she learned how to surrender in the process, how to find the life that Jesus offers. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll see you soon. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.